WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 171, all about the Rings of Power. Season 1, episode 6, Udun. Being the 171st part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, but right now we are all experiencing rings of power for the first time together. Today, I'm joined by Adol Rafai. Welcome. Hey, hey. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, hey. What is that? <laughs> I panicked and I'm like, oh, what do I say? Ipso facto. <laughs> Um, well, welcome. Um, how, how are you? How are you feeling about about Rings of Power? What What are your thoughts as you're coming into? Um, yeah. You know, episode six was a big one, but what are your thoughts and feelings about like everything leading up to this? Um, I'm invested. I like it more than I thought I would. So I think I thought based on just whatever uh, early early reviews or early uh, anticipatory um, thoughts and stuff, I think I was like, oh, is this, it sounds like there's no names in it that I will recognize. It sounds like the budget is maybe not being seen where it should be seen. So I was a little worried, but I, I'm digging it. I'm really liking it. Um, I will say... And this is no this is no knock against this show specifically, but against uh, maybe against all high fantasy in the mm-hmm. last ten years or so, like Wheel of Time and a few other ones. Um, I just recently did a rewatch of The Sopranos, and I realized, <laughs> have you ever seen it? No, um, that's just not the show that I was expecting yeah. for you to to like come out of your mouth. <laughs> Gandalf is Tony. Um, Christopher is Frodo. Um, All I know about The Sopranos is that it has one of the most infamous slash famous endings of yes. all time. Yes. So. And I and I actually like it. But here's what I'll say. I realized watching The Sopranos because I hadn't watched it since it was like uh, airing in real time. I realized what makes makes The Sopranos maybe the best show of all time and just kind of a perfect show is that it is. It is the bookends of life in terms of like it is so violent and dramatic and intense and just like there's moments where you're just absolutely gobsmacked in terms of like, uh, holy, this is happening. Holy. But then five seconds later or the cut to scene where it's the most hilarious, funny, real human interaction you've ever seen. So I realized they imbue it with this almost like it's not even sitcom comedy. It's more like real life comedy, but it's just perfect. I mean, the, the writing is so. You laugh, you cry, you're you're on the edge of your seat, you're covering your face. Um, that to me is what makes a perfect show. I realized now when I watch high fantasy like Wheel of Time, like Rings of Power, like a House of Dragons, House of the Dragons? I don't know, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, whatever the spinoff is, yes. there's just no humor. And I there's attempts at humor mm-hmm. in terms of like I can't I think it's episode three or something with the the Harleyfoots or barley toes or the Harfoots. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> the Harleyfoots. <laughs> there's stuff with like the Harfoots where it's like yeah. there's the main Harfoot there like her best friend is like, Oh, get you oh let's get you out of here, like, oh bother, how you know, mm-hmm. get get you away from here. And there's moments of like when she was hiding under the tome trying to steal a page and her friend was directing her of like you know what's not right about that is that you got left behind. Like there's some yeah. there's some fun stuff with that, but it's just not necessarily funny. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I do miss um I do miss humor, like legit humor or like yeah yeah so- having like a complete you know whole showing like the whole self through yes. this you know through a show where like you're experiencing all of those emotions where yeah. you're experiencing 
you know, serious and fright and um, yeah. And then those like moments of joy uh, between characters. I think those you're so right that like that's what makes um, that's what's like really interesting when you're watching shows and movies is when you see all of those emotions come through that, you know, you yourself are familiar with. Yeah. Yes, and and now that I've noticed that, it feels like any show I watch that doesn't have almost all the ingredients for that is almost like a bland stew to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like I'll still eat it, and I'm still like yum yum to some degree, <laughs> but I'm not like yeah. It's it's it doesn't feel like it's uh, sating my appetite. And I it, to, to continue on the Sopranos path, there's a Italian. So Sopranos is uh, a, like a mafia TV show. Um, there's an Italian mafia TV show called Gamora, which was on HBO, which is really well done and just like really thrilling and really interesting. And there's not an ounce of humor. And it's just that thing of like, this is maybe like a seven out of 10, eight out of 10 show, but it's just missing that humor. Even with something like Breaking Bad, it's just missing that amount of humor. I feel like maybe Succession captures that, uh, that um, the book ending pretty mm-hmm. well. But I think with, with something like Sopranos, there's so many like, um, People will like misspeak in a sentence and the rest of the characters just kind of move forward like you would in real life versus like whatever. So it's just it just feels so true to life. And and I know high fantasy is not necessarily trying to feel true to life. It's trying to show you yeah. a different world. But I just wish there was I, I think there was one moment where I kind of out loud guffawed. Which was we, it might have been the same it might have been the same moment. Okay. Yeah. Was it was it when the orc gets hit by the cart? <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> this was, although that was pretty good. This was maybe episode four or something, but it's like the the sea captain, the army general's son, the Numenoran. Isildur. Isildur. He's having like a tiff with his former best friend and they're like, he's like, punch me in the face if you want to. And the guy yeah. hits him. And then there's a moment where he's like, listen, um, you're my friend, probably still my best friend. And the guy next to him goes, hey. And yeah. I'm like, that that made me legit kind of like laugh. And I'm like, that yeah. that imbue the rest of the show with moments like that every once in a while. I'm not saying make it all of that, but I'm just like every once in a while, give us because it, it allows for a release of tension. Yeah. And I, and I feel like with the Harfoots, the humor is so uh, I don't I don't know. It's it's, it's they're just very they're just very lighthearted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it feels like they're it's it's just very sort of um, corny, or I don't know how to how to uh, mm-hmm. articulate it. Yeah. But, but the humor is just it's it's very soft in terms of like I yeah, don't know, it, what's less than G? Like <laughs> not even rated G. It's like less than that. Where it's like, oh, I stubbed my toe, and it's like, <laughs> all right, this is this sucks. Um, and not that the original movies didn't have that the Peter Jackson trilogy um but i just wish there was a little bit more of uh of that the release of tension through laughter yeah i i do agree we definitely like it was noticeably gone in this episode yeah where and i mean that being said i think that was very intentional to of set course. up that this is the episode where you're just going to be tense the entire time oh yeah um, this was this was almost like um have you seen the bear? Oh, I need to continue watching. Good. I'm like halfway through. Yeah. But it's like it was almost like that where the finale, uh, the finale or second, the penultimate episode is just nonstop. Like they're getting slammed in the kitchen and you're just like your blood pressure is boiling and you're like, oh, God, like, are they going to get through it? This episode I thought was great in terms of like it is mm-hmm. not you, you feel almost like they feel in terms of like it's relentless. Uh, yeah. Day into night back into day. It's just like it's nonstop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this episode got a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Of course, I say this, the ratings can 
very easily changed since this is only, you know, the day after the episode was released. But this is the highest rated episode so far Ooh, of the season. Wow. Coming after episode five, which was the lowest rated. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going again. The I don't live and die by the Rotten Tomatoes thermometer. <laughs> Is that but, what it's called? Yeah, that's actually it's a tomato good. meter, but that's, you have to say thermometer. Like that's just so yeah, much more fun. I dig that. Um, yeah. So last week's episode got a seventy-six, which was their lowest so far. Um, and this is, again, everything critics is just all super subjective, but I think it's helpful to see how um, how people who, because sometimes I'm just like, as someone who I, for up until now, the whole point, the whole thing with my podcast is that like, I couldn't really interact with other people. I couldn't really like geek out over these things. Or when I did, everyone's like, uh, yeah, like we've been saying for the past 20 years that these movies are amazing. Where were you? <laughs> so like, I'm just happy to be a part of it and yeah. like sharing that excitement in real time with other people. So for me, it's helpful to like gauge some more quote unquote objective compared to me opinions. But I think it's like really promising for for the show. I think this was like a huge turning point for a lot of people who are super skeptical about the show. The, uh, this episode. I also want to read out a review that was left that I just laughed at and I'm like, this is so funny. Um, So it says Udun or Hell in Sundarian Elvish, which I was wondering the whole episode. I was like, what does that mean? Is an hour of surprises, hope, and ultimately bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> bad vibes. Uh, and that is by Matt... Shim Cowitz, Shim Cowitz from AV Club. But yeah, just ultimately bad vibes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. Very funny low stakes <laughs> term to apply to like war where it's like Yeah. <laughs> World like War II had some bad vibes. Here. Like World yeah. War II wasn't feeling it. Yeah, it's just Skip me with it's that, always yeah. great to like underplay yeah. how horrific <laughs> um, war is. <laughs> miss me with the Vietnam. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, um, we'll, we've already said, yeah, a lot about this episode, but just in ge my, like, just general thoughts, I was just, I was just stunned and really blown away when this episode ended. Um, no pun intended, uh, for <laughs> <laughs> listeners who know what happens. Um, yeah, I was just, I was really ast astonished and not just the last, you know, five minutes or so, but the whole episode was just like start to finish just amazing quality all like yeah. all around oh, yeah. visuals acting score all of it i thought was just really like they really brought their a game with this one absolutely i really appreciated that they cuz so far i think we've any sort of skirmishes we've seen in the light of day or at least it's been well lit they almost dipped into game of thrones territory where there was some action sequences that were pretty dark like the lighting was very mm -hmm. minimal and I watched during the day, so there's some light coming in my window, so I couldn't see it, a few elements. But I really appreciated that they then took it back into the day. So, um, so yeah, I thought it was really well handled, really well shot. Yeah. So, listeners, we're going to jump now into the dirty details of this episode. If you have not watched it yet, go, like, I, I always say, like, if you haven't watched it yet, go, but legitimately go watch this episode right now. It it just, I, I woke up on Friday morning and in my time zone, the episodes come out at midnight and like, I'm tired, y'all. I'm not going to stay up until <laughs> 1, a, you know, 1.30 a.m., you know, finishing these episodes and stuff. So I woke up and immediately 
all of these other creators that I follow and collaborate with, everyone was already doing live streams and tweeting and everyone already had like reviews up on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I need to watch this immediately so I don't get spoiled. <laughs> yeah. Although this is, I mean, for the most part, I think this is a hard one to spoil. I think there's one key thing at the very end, like mm -hmm. a catalyst for, for the ending. But I think besides that, it's it's kind of hard to spoil this one to some degree, to some degree. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't even know where to begin with this episode. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess let's, let's talk about, so there's a few different battles throughout all of this. The mm -hmm. first one is really clever thinking on the Southlanders part where Adar and his army are marching on the tower and we see that they have I, I'm just really questioning how that tower was constructed because Arondir the elf shoots down like one rope and it makes the whole thing come apart yeah. so I'm just wondering a, what the construction of this tower was like that was a load-bearing rope um, yeah I'm also just I'm like I'm realizing now hearing it sort of said aloud by you that Adar's it almost sounds like an Australian saying my name like Ad Adar, Adar, Adar. <laughs> Oh, that's so true. And you know, um, Adar. Everyone's joking. Everyone always jokes around that uh, the orcs are just calling this one. He's like Daddy Orc. Yeah, because yeah. Adar means father. Yeah. Yeah, and they do keep saying like, "Father, what should we father, do?" Yeah. Like, there. One, I feel like the guy who plays Adar. It, maybe it's just me. I feel like he looks like Lee Pace. Who was in the original trilogy? Oh yeah, that's another yeah. thing. So I was saying, in not so much this episode, because um, we do see a lot more of him this one. But in previous episodes, I was like, "Gosh, he just really reminds me of someone I don't know who." And someone tweeted a gif, and I was like, "Oh, he reminds me of Noel Fielding." Oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> but I feel like his, um, but his bone structure, yeah, and his Lee eyebrows, Pace. maybe look like Lee Pace. He doesn't have his builder builder height, but I feel like his his uh, his eyebrows and face a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, shoot, let me look up. Yeah, that uh, he was like doing. I thought it was so interesting to see more of him interacting, like as a leader with his people. And yeah. you see, because he gives this big speech right before they go march on the tower, and you can really see why everyone is so why they're all drawn to him and yeah. why they're following him. Yeah, he's wonderful, and I really appreciate, like you said, seeing him. Uh, in in a, in a role to sort of like you know uh, command his army and everything, and there's a moment where he where things are crumbling, uh, uh, p bits of rock are falling down, and he's kind of standing still. And normally you would just see the bad guy standing still while rocks fall around him and just happen to miss him, and then he carries on, and it's kind of a badass moment. I love when he was standing there. One of his uh, minions is like, like move, and like I think grabs him or pushes him out of the way or something. But it was a cool moment of like that feels real. Of like you wouldn't just he was in shock or whatever. But it was cool to see someone help him versus the the sort of badass cinematography of like isn't it cool? Everything barely missed him. Yeah, it's also interesting that he is at the he is leading this group, yeah. whereas a lot of leader like bad guy leaders they. You know, like Helm's Deep, Saruman's not joining that fight. So we see him in the, you know, in the trenches with his his people. You yeah. know, I think that's that was just really we're really like learning. There's a lot more that we learn about him um, in this episode that just adds a lot of it adds a lot of really interesting dimensions to these. You know, up until up until now, every all of us who have watched Lord of the Rings were like, oh yeah, the orcs are just 
bad guys and now we are learning these like really interesting dimensions to them and learning about like you know he says they're they they are individuals and they all have names and yeah, yeah just like really cool um oh adar by the way is played by joseph Malle. so shout out to joseph i know you're listening <laughs> um <laughs> Actually, I make that joke every time um, I bring up one of the Rings of Power actors. But actually, if a Rings of Power actor or, you know, behind the scenes person or anything, if you're actually listening, DM me. I want to have you on. Listen, orc number 10, come on down. Come on. Come on down. How do you feel about uh, with the original trilogy, with this show, with, I mean, like I keep mentioning Wheel of of Time um, and a few other shows. How do you feel about if it, I get the sense that anytime the director is at a loss for what to do in terms of a shot or something, what they'll do is just close up on an orc's face. The orc will be moving in a herky jerky fashion and they'll they'll scream and like tilt their head side to side. And I feel like that gets a lot of mileage. Like, there's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. gas burned with that shot. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, also, like kind of a, of, of a similar thing. Whenever there is a white horse, it's always going to the elf. Yeah. Like there are these, it seems to be like unspoken rules almost Mm -hmm. or unspoken things that like they do a lot where they're like, oh, okay, we're going to show the, I don't know, we're going to show like the the evilness or something of the orcs by like zooming in on them in in the battles. And it's like, oh, there's a white horse. We're giving it to the elf. Like all of these rules that they abide by. Yeah. And I guess I guess I don't know what I expect in terms of like somebody in full orc makeup walking with like slow confidence and being like charge or something. But I, I just feel like every minute there's a shot of someone be like, like, yeah, and they have to move their head because they it's almost like the, the orc knows they're getting a close up and they're like really working the camera. It just. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also a way to show off the makeup and yeah. prosthetics That's and stuff fair. to be like see how like graphic we made the the orcs look and see what a see what a good job we did on them that's fair yeah that's <laughs> yeah fair. okay our next battle the southlanders go back to their village and they're fortifying everything and they're waiting for all of the orcs to come at night um by this point aaron deer has He's so, okay. So he goes to hide the the blade, the handle of the blade that they keep saying is the key, and he's like, no one can know where it goes. And he goes and hides it. And we later find out that he hides it like under the floorboards of the tavern in the town. <laughs> and also, it's almost he, like a kid hiding drugs under their bed, where they're like, yeah. "Where's the one place my parents won't look? Under the bed." And then, yeah, or like back of the sock yeah. drawer. And then or they come home you know, and they're like, like, "We need to talk." Yeah. And also, yeah, so he storms off and he's like, no one can know where this is. And we find out Theo knows where it is. Yeah. Like he was watching the whole time, supposedly. Um, I'm like, why didn't you just like go to the woods and bury it somewhere? <laughs> like what? Like this not good planning. Yeah. I feel like I tie it to like a chandelier or something. Like nobody yeah, ever like- looks up. Never. That's true. I don't know. Yeah, hidden in plain sight, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I just have so many. Like, it, it was one of the things, like, reading Harry Potter and reading Deathly Hallows and being like, Voldemort, why didn't you just make one of your horcruxes, like, a grain of sand? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like why are we not doing... Like, there are, there are ways to hide things and disguise things yeah. 
much more effectively than our characters do. But of course, like, obviously the answer is, well, plot, you yeah. know, if they actually, if he actually did hide it really well, then it wouldn't. <laughs> One of my know. horcruxes is a tick in Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> like... um, do you, so you mentioned that Theo, um, did they, because I might have missed it, did they say or show that he did see where it was hidden? Yeah, that's oh, they... what I'm really confused about because Arondir goes off to hide it yeah. and it focuses in on Theo like sitting in the background and he sees Aaron Deer gotcha, gotcha. walk away with it and he presumably overhears that he's going to hide it but then it cut and I was really paying attention to this part too because I thought the same thing I was like what or when I was re-watching it I was really paying attention to this one part um but it immediately cuts to them um like giving the this the rousing speech before yeah. the battle yeah so yeah I guess it's just presumed that he I don't know. I don't know. It is a lot of, I guess, just you having to connect your own dots or, you know, just guess that, oh, okay, maybe Theo, you know, just saw he went into the tavern with it and then didn't come out with it. Yeah, I had a theory watching, but it was later disproved. I thought maybe since he had his arm had like attached to it at one point, it had like drawn blood from him. Um, Right. When he first Mm -hmm. holds it, it goes into his forearm and he has like a, a mark on his on his forearm. I assume that maybe he could sense it to some degree now that he touched Ooh, maybe, it. maybe, yeah. But I think that's later disproven, uh, which we'll get to at the very end when he doesn't notice something he should have noticed. That's true, yeah. Because um, he does, yeah, at the end he does say, I feel it's loss. Oh, okay. Um, so that, I am with you that like maybe he did use like spidey senses, yeah. you know, to find it or something, but... That is true, that if he did have Spidey senses, he should have noticed that something was up. Yeah. Just very briefly, I just want to go into the part, I think it was the first episode, that made me like really be like, am, am I going to enjoy this? Was Theo is hiding. It's like his mom comes home. The place is ransacked. Mm-hmm. The place is torn asunder. There's a hole in the floor. Um, Theo opens like a little like almost spice cabinet or pantry cabinet. Yeah. And he's like, hey, mom, like be quiet. And she's like, what? And he's like, go get help. And then he slowly closes the pantry door. And I'm like, if she's leaving, you can leave. What are we doing? Like, it was, it just seems so, in- it's almost like if you knocked on my door and I opened it and I go, hey, Mary Clay, um, someone's in my house. Go call the police. And then I shut the door. Like, yeah. And it's like, that's how why don't you dumb that felt to me. Come with yeah, me. Yes. Yeah. Where I'm like, I would just be like, I- I'm leaving. Come with me. Let's run versus, I don't know. That, that irked yeah. me, but I-, I. I had a lot of interesting critiques about that fight too, because. This this was also the first episode where I really felt like I in my brain, I know that Bronwyn and Theo are mother and son, mm-hmm. but I've never really felt that yeah. until this episode and that fight sequence where she's like, OK, son, I'll leave you with the orc yeah. <laughs> and I'll leave. And it's not and she doesn't it doesn't occur to her to try and save him or stick around to make sure that he doesn't get eaten he, until like the last second and yes. then she goes into the 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 cabinet or whatever he, like he has more paternal instinct towards her than she does to him yeah i think so too <laughs> yeah yeah i want to call out this moment cuz it was just really um it was like really personal for me when they're getting ready for this fight all of the you know elderly women and children whoever can't fight are in the tavern and theo is sent in supposedly to protect them and he says like can you tell me what you used to say when I had bad dreams and she says an exact quote from the books from um, Return of the King and it's one of my favorite moments in Return of the King where and it's 
I think it might be in Return of the King Extended Edition, um, but it's when Sam and Frodo are in Mordor and Frodo is like passed out like he does <laughs> a million times <laughs> throughout the trilogy. Anyway, and Sam is looking up at the sky and he sees a star emerge from the clouds and he says, the shadow is but a passing thing. There is light and beauty forever beyond its reach. And I was like, thank you for putting in there. There have been a lot of moments throughout the series where they put in almost exact quotes mm-hmm. or really like a, a playoff of an exact quote or something. And so I just really appreciated that attention to detail. And it's also just a really beautiful quote. And yeah. They'd have a battle and the the orcs and Adar and everyone show up. Um, this was the moment that I was talking about where I let out a chuckle where it was very corny, but I still chuckled out loud. So I'm like, well, hey, what does that say about me? <laughs> where they're lighting a they light a cart on mm-hmm. fire and like send it into the village to hit the orcs and then they one of them goes like aha the bleeding fools missed us and then they all laugh and then you just hear him go like huh and he like turns <laughs> and almost like looks at the camera and then is immediately slammed by the cart and it was very corny but again i i, I laughed I, so i think you're right that that is one of the better that is maybe the second funniest uh, moment of the series just in terms of like the misdirection and like him him yeah. being able to like speak to that versus just kind of growling or snarling I thought was pretty great yeah like it was very it was very cartoonish but again I I guess I have a cartoonish sense of humor so (laughs) it worked for me really like cool battle sequence here the the villagers I mean how can you not that's part of why everyone loves um two towers and Helm's deep is it's like oh yeah like this ragtag army is standing up and fighting against this really formidable force and so of course, you know, kind of getting some similar feels here. There's a and they're bummer. doing pretty good. They're doing very well. There's a bummer moment where I think immediately, maybe when they first light that little carriage or something. Yeah. There's a woman who's just standing with her. She like, just stands there. She's standing next to the carriage. No weapon. I think her arms are at her side. And she like as this guy is like attacking, it's like either run or like get a weapon or I don't know. I don't know what the options are. But she stands there and gets her throat absolutely slashed. Slit. Yeah. 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 So that being said, we do still see moments where like, it's not just like, okay, they're, you know, it's not like a perfect picturesque fight where it's like, okay, the bad guys are being killed and our good guys are safe. Like people are getting slaughtered, you know, left and right. Um, There's this really... This is one of my critiques with the episode. This fight sequence of Erondir with this one orc, it's pretty cool at first. And the actor Ismail Cruz Cordova is showing off some really cool combat skills and everything. There's almost like some capoeira or something. There's like a kick he did where it's like, ooh, that was cool. Yeah, like it was really cool. And I still I still think that every time he's doing a fight that they're really trying to emulate a lot of the like legless vibes mm-hmm. from the original trilogy that everyone in the 2000s was just like, oh my God, <laughs> did you see him skateboard that shield down the stairs, you know? And Legolas is doing these just like insane things. And of course that... um the horse trick he does where he his like shoulder dislocates where he swings up on the horse yeah. with Gimli. I feel like there's maybe there's a moment maybe I'm misremembering. I think there's a moment where he shoots an arrow behind him. Like it's that old yeah. trope of like someone's running up behind you and you stab hoping 
you get mm. them right in the gut. I feel like Legolas has a moment like that where you're like, come yeah. on. <laughs> so getting a lot of those vibes where they're really trying to be like, see, our elves are still cool yeah, and yeah. hip. <laughs> so, um, but then it gets just really long and drawn out where he's almost getting killed by the orc and the orc's eyes like dripping black blood onto him. And this episode is really gory compared to a lot compared to how people view Tolkien adaptations. This one is, I think, like the goriest we've seen so far. Oh, yeah. I would say the the fight with the big guy. Here's here's my two things. One specifically about the big guy and two about the overall the, the episode and the fight. Um, anytime there's a guy over like, say, 610 or something, I hate that they just have him throw whoever he's fighting. He just throws him 20 times. And I'm like, yeah. You have the size advantage. Stop throwing him. He's just going to get up and like he'll figure out a way. So big guys, if you're in a fight, don't just keep throwing the person. Do Choke him out. Do something. Uh, I was going to say, what's your suggestion <laughs> then? What's I, If you're the big guy in a fight, what would you do? Punch hit. I mean, this guy was <laughs> trying to kill him. So like snap his neck or ch- I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but just don't keep throwing him. You're keep, you give him opportunities uh, uh, every time. Two, I think my biggest qualm overall with the episode, which I really enjoyed, I do, I would say this is like uh, a, a A minus B plus episode, probably A minus. My biggest qualm is that they rely so heavily on what I like to call the last second savior, where yes. there is like fifty moments where someone's about to get run through, someone's about to get thrown a, down a well, someone's about to whatever, uh, and and then someone comes in, someone's about to kill someone, and they're like, stop, you know, it's just nonstop last second savior moments, and I think it was overkill to where yeah. I'm like, let something happen or have there be a different method in which the thing doesn't happen. It just, it just. Yeah, um, the last second save is too late. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that would be. That would be cool. Of course, I say that, and you know that's probably going to happen, and then we'll all be emotionally devastated. Yeah, so like, how so. could you? But I, I felt like I couldn't help totally. but notice it when it was like moment ten, moment eleven, moment twelve. I was like, okay, I think we're overusing this device. Like, maybe there's something else we can yeah. do. Yeah, um, and that's why I thought the whole this whole. The fight between Arondir and this one orc went on way too long is because you knew, everyone knew that Bronwyn was going to come in and save him at the last second. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm like, you're just, this is why all of the episodes are going over an hour long is because you're at like, (laughs) these are things that you can cut. (laughs) Like just, you know, if we know if the ultimate thing that's going to happen here is Bronwyn is going to come in and save him. Like, let's just cut to that. We don't need to see. 30 straight seconds of them struggling with a knife and almost getting stabbed in the eyeball. Yep. Yeah, so they win. Yay! Except for they find out that they were fighting their own people who had turned and gone to Adar. And that was... There's a lot of... In this episode, there's a lot of, like, emotional highs and lows of, like, all right, they want... Like, they won the battle, but, oh, we still have more orcs coming, and, oh, Aaron Deer's fighting. He's going to die, and then he's... You know, so... It's this very triumphant moment, and then they realize they were fighting their own people. And I love that realization because they see that the blood is red and not black. Yeah. And then they're immediately hit, you know, they're like orc snipers (laughs) 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 getting ready to take them out. And they're just like cut down by a bunch of arrows. Yeah. I want to say snorks. Snorks. This is sort of a portmanteau <laughs> of uh, sniper and orc. Snork, yeah, orc. Yeah, yeah, some snorks. Although I think snorks was a, like an '80s cartoon with like a, basically underwater Smurfs. 
I was going to say, it, okay, now I got to look this up. Were Snork? they snorks or snorkels? Maybe it was just snorks because it was short for snorkels. But it, it definitely said, no, it, it's a 1984 cartoon. Yeah. yeah. And they have like little tube. They have basically like straws in their yeah. head. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Some snorks. Yeah. They're all getting like mowed down. And I like, I get that it was slow-mo, but it was at a point where I was like, like hit the ground, run away, <laughs> take shelter, do something. But they're all just standing out in the yeah. open for a while yes. before they're finally like, go into the tavern. Yeah. Bronwyn gets hit. And this was another moment that I thought was just so excessive of them healing her. And it was also I like I was cringing the whole time because it was so up close on like her wound and the arrow. And by the way, if you get shot with an arrow, I thought that was like number one, like medical advices. If you get like stabbed or anything, don't take it out that's until you're absolutely sure that you can get it treated. Yep, that's what they say. Leave it in. I will say one moment I really appreciated just because I think it goes against some amount of a trope is when she's on the table, she says something of like, help him because there's like an older man who was shot or something with an arrow. And so I I really appreciate that she was like, there's other people here, like just because I'm the main character of this show, don't just treat me over this other person. But then they show that he had passed away because his wound was too severe or he was too old or whatever. I think he got shot twice or something. That would do it. But I just really appreciate that it's like, there's other characters in this world. Just because I'm being filmed doesn't make me. Yeah, the, just because I'm yeah. the main character doesn't mean I'm the main character. Yeah, exactly. So I, I actually very much appreciate that. Yeah, um, they do heal her. It was really funny. I so like I mentioned, I was live tweeting my first watch through, and I was in the middle of writing a tweet because there's a fake out moment where she's gonna die, and with a lot of these original characters and everything, I I just don't know what's gonna happen. I was like. Sure, they like she might actually die. I have no idea. So I was like mid writing the tweet being like, are you kidding me? Like that was such a waste of a character. They were really setting her up to be a really great character. What a waste. I can't believe. And then as I'm typing this out, she like, (gasps) and I was like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) She just woke up. It's fine. (laughs) I totally thought, and I don't know the the lore behind it. So maybe I was ignorant to it. I definitely was ignorant to it, but I thought, she would have I thought she's dead and then I thought they were gonna put that uh cursed sword in her hand Ooh. and I was like that will bring her back but she'll have like an edge to her or she'll be maybe not fully mm. the same or something so I was like that's what they're gonna do it's gonna be a desperate measure um but they they went a different route yeah um actually that's pretty similar to what happens at some point in the Silmarillion um I think it's with in the story of Baron and Luthien and Baron gets one of the Silmarils and long story short they're in this battle and he is like mortally wounded and they place the Silmaril in his hand and it like revives him just long enough to take him back home and be able to like say goodbye to his girlfriend at that point or wife or whatever um so that is that that you know is an interesting you know thing to think about i mean this whole this whole episode i because again i woke up on friday morning and i was like oh something insane happened so the whole time i was like oh is is theo actually for a bit i thought we might be dealing with different timelines and that like we were gonna see the numenor elves show up and it was actually like like 60 years uh, <laughs> later from the the Southlanders or something. So I was like, oh, is Theo a young Halbrand? That would have been cool. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was like, oh, all of these things. Um, that would be, it's like the current battle in the Southlands 
the Numenorians racing towards them, the Southlands, Numenorians racing to them, and then when the Numenorians yeah. get there, Theo's like, yeah, 62 or something. That would have been very interesting. So you, um, so you said, you mentioned the Cimmerillion. Is is mm-hmm. Rings of Power based fully on the Cimmerillion? So Cimmer- <laughs> it's really, yeah, I know Cimmerillion is a nonsense word. It sounds like you're about to say a city, but you're drunk. You're like, where am I from? <laughs> I'm from Mulakti. <laughs> Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah. Um. So the Silmarillion is a a very comprehensive, let's say, detailed history of Middle Earth. Okay. And it takes place. You know, it, it starts. It, it, it like the Bible of there was nothing and then God made something. Yeah. Is exactly how it starts. It came out. I, I feel like I remember what it came out in like 2007 or something. Didn't it come out fairly recently, or is this an older? Um, one? I don't know when it was. Um, put together and edited by his son Christopher Tolkien, yeah. and it was all. I think it was published posthumously. Okay. Because um, I do feel like I remember. Maybe I was in college or something, but I feel like I remember it being a big deal that it was being released. But I. I just wasn't interested because it seemed like it was not really a story. It was more like a yeah. Um, okay, so it was published in 1977. Oh. So definitely not 2007. Yeah, no, I was not in high school then. <laughs> but they might have done a re-release gotcha, uh, gotcha. publication when the later on with or additional notes yeah. or something. Um, but anyway, so it's all about the history of Middle Earth and goes through the first age, and I don't, I don't even know if it goes to the second age. But the show Amazon does not have any rights to the Silmarillion. Gotcha. <laughs> the only thing that they have rights to is um i think lord of the rings i guess and the hobbit maybe um but the main thing is the appendices to lord of the rings gotcha and then i think the tolkien estate granted them specific rights to specific parts of the silmarillion that being said the final section in the silmarillion is called of the third age and the rings of power oh okay so um which i actually ironically have not read yet i my scheduling didn't allow for me to read that part before the show started maybe for the best because you'll be surprised to some degree yeah exactly i was like you know what i think it'll be fun because then i can you know predict things and be more surprised by stuff yeah it's not a silmarillion adaptation um is the short answer to your question thank you um it's also not really an adaptation of anything because they're compressing timelines because some of the things that Galadriel is doing in the show are things that happened to her um, in like the first or second age but because she's an elf you can't have her experience those things and then have like these humans yeah. in the same episodes because then like by the time the next episode happens and time has passed like those humans are dead yes so but anyway yeah they are all hunkered down in the tavern and the orcs are coming in for this like final wave and adar comes in this is when yeah this is when theo reveals because they're about to kill bronwyn and he's like here's the blade (laughs) and that I res- I respected that decision from him because everyone so far has just been saying like, well, obviously Theo is evil and obviously he's going to be um, a lot of people think he's going to be the witch king okay. or he's going to be one of the Nazgul. 
who are reminder for listeners, the Nazgul are originally nine men who were corrupted um, by Sauron when they received a ring. So it could be Theos. That's why everyone's like, oh, he's going to be evil and all this stuff. But if he, you know, was handing this blade over to protect his mother, I'm like, that's a that's a character choice that I respect and understand. But he does seem off. There's something there's something wrong there's with something that boy. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with that boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I still don't trust him. Um, it's I, I've said that he just comes off to me like almost any child in a horror movie where you're like, obviously that kid is haunted or yep. that's the kid who brought who like welcomed the demon into the house, you know, as they are, th- they get the blade and everything. And as this is happening, we hear the stampeding because the Numenorean army has arrived. But, you know, again, a lot of Helm's Deep feelings are trying to be I think they're trying to be recreated here but also you can't recreate that because when you do it the so great the first time why recreate it at all yes don't cheapen it with a second attempt yeah um so backing up a bit to Numenor's side of this plot we've been seeing them throughout this episode they're on the boats um there's a really beautiful scene I think between uh Isildur goes up onto the ship deck um because he can't sleep um after sharing an apple with his horse by the way which I (laughs) was like that was a weird moment. I thought at first he was... I get it to show how close they are, but... Yeah. I thought actually he was teaching him how to eat because he, he put it under his mouth and the horse didn't do anything and then he bit into it and then he put it back under and the horse took a bite and I'm like, it, did he just teach this horse how to eat? How to eat. I was like, this is dumb. And then I'm like, oh, he's just, it's just their best friends or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he's awake and Galadriel comes over to him. This is... I th- yeah, so this is the first time Galadriel and Isildur have met. And I think this is really interesting because we're probably going to see, knowing what Isildur becomes. Um, Adel, do you know what Isildur becomes? Um, I don't know. No, I don't. He So he's the guy in the prologue of uh, Lord of the Rings and Fellowship who does not throw the ring into Mount Doom. Oh. He's, he's the one who... Um, Elrond, you know, yells, you know, cast it into the fire and says, I was there when, you know, the weakness of men failed (laughs) 5,000 years ago. So we have to hate this guy. Well, that's the thing. We don't necessarily hate him right now because he's just like a young boy. Um, There's a really phenomenal moment where he goes on deck with with uh, Gladriel and it's almost she's almost like a like if you ever walk into like a record store with like a, a hipster behind the counter or something where he's like, uh, he's like, we'll be at land soon. And she goes, you can't see the land. You'll probably see it in like an hour. I've seen it. Yeah. I've been, I've been looking at the land for like three I days. Saw it. Yeah. <laughs> so She's like, I've already seen it, yeah. but um, you like, yeah. with your human eyes won't be able to see it any, any minute yeah. now. It's like, I saw Royal Tenenbaums. Who's this Elliot Smith? It's like, I've been listening to Elliot, Elliot Smith since 92. Yeah. So no big whoop. <laughs> so true. Um, but the scenery is really beautiful because then the sun rises up over the horizon. And I have to wonder, I'm like, did they, it looks so realistic that I'm like, they had to have done that 
on location, but at the same time filming like on an ocean with the sun rising. That's got to be impossible. That's There's no way that was the real. Ordeal. Although they do have famously a million dollar, a billion dollar budget. So yeah, could, could be done. So I also just never underestimate the beauty of New Zealand. Like New Zealand is just so perfect for Middle Earth. So it makes. Yeah, but it was like so if it. Again, I don't think there's any way that they could have like actually filmed that in real time, which means the, you know, special effects and CGI is just really great that I'm yeah. wondering if it was, you know, quote unquote real or not. Ellen Dill comes up and says he's like I don't have a good feeling about this, basically. He says, usually I'm looking to the sun rising over the sea. And now, you know, we're riding into the dawn, but I feel like we're or we're sailing into the dawn, but I feel like we're sailing into, you know, the the coming of a dark night or something. Um, and what, when I rewatched the episode, that really just stuck out to me from what happens later on. I was yeah. like, you weren't necessarily wrong there and there's a there's a very funny moment where i think she says like gladrell's like how'd your wife die and he goes into this like and he just ignores he goes it, into yeah. this flowery <laughs> ominous uh speech and then he's like she drowned she drowned <laughs> yeah like, that real was throw, real throwaway line about your wife i hate i really don't like it in movies and shows and stuff when someone is someone asks a question and then they're just like I mean, I, I get that's why these are TV shows and movies is because yeah. they're, you know, dr they're dr more dramatic than real life. But in real life, you wouldn't be like you, you would never give a really poetic speech about, you yes. know, the sun rising and setting and then be like, she drowned, she drowned. and then walk away. It feels like, very I, I feel like there's so many movies and TV shows where someone will be like it's like someone's captured and bound to a chair or something. It doesn't even have to be that moment. But someone will be like, why are you doing this? And they'll be like, when I was seven years old. I would go to my grandma's farm and catch fireflies in a mason jar. I'd poke holes to make sure they breathed, but one night I forgot to poke. It's this whole like, yeah. oh, I guess we're getting a big backstory for like a simple question. So I don't know. Yeah. Another potential critique of this episode is they they arrive real fast <laughs> because they say, oh, we're... Um, Maybe they say, like, we're a few hours from shore, but then they say it's a day's ride to the, you know, the Southlands. But they, I thought we were going to see a scene or I thought we were going to see more of their army, like, traveling throughout the Southlands and, like, seeing all of the other villages destroyed before they get to this village. Yeah. But they just immediately, it seemed like they just immediately knew where to go. That was my big thing was I was like, because I was kind of, there was a few moments where I was on my phone for 20 seconds or something, but I felt like I was still paying attention. But I looked up and I was like, they were on the boat and now they're racing to help these people in the battle. And I'm yeah. like, how do they know they're in the battle? And it seems to be just like one little farmhouse with a well or something. It just seemed weird yeah. to be like, how did they know exactly where to go? Yeah, so... That is, I don't know, maybe we'll see more of that later. Actually, that's a lie because <laughs> certain things happen. Their tracks are covered. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they show up. They save the day. There's a lot. Again, there there is a lot of last minute saves um, where like, uh, so Isildur's friends, Valendil, and then 
is the one who I refer to as the other one who is not, you know, his best friend. There's a moment between them. Elendil is about to be killed. And then Halbrand comes in and like stabs the orc with a spear. And um, so yeah, lots of last minute saves. You're so right. And there's, there's also a trope within a trope, which within the last second save is a last second save with a nod. Where it's like the one guy, yeah, the one guy yeah. throws a spear and then the guy who was saved looks up and it's like a little nod and then he's off to fight yeah. more. I, I kind of interpreted that because um, Elendil was so distrustful of Halbrand and Galadriel when he originally rescued them. So I That's kind fair. of- Like we're good. You know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Be like, okay, don't, we're even don't now. Don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. It's almost yeah. like, I want you to see my face to know who saved you. Are we, yeah. are we good? Great. I'm moving on. Yeah. We cool now? Good. <laughs> um- some really cool Galadriel, like, horse acrobatics <laughs> as she's, like, bending over sideways with the sword. And um, someone on Twitter was like, I can just hear all of the comments now saying how unrealistic it is. So I'm just going to remind you of this. And then they tweeted that scene of Legolas in Two Towers, like, dislocating his shoulder to yes, get on yeah, the yeah. horse. Yeah, Wim- Women can dislo- dislocate their shoulders, too, everyone. Yeah. Although, I mean, like, I have to say, like, that moment with Legolas so clearly looks like CGI. It seemed to me, I don't think it was actually the actress. It was probably, you know, a stunt a stunt writer. But that definitely seems like something that it, it looked, like, really realistic. I I really hope that they release some kind of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff for I'd this episode. Because yeah. it was so, like, there was so much happening that I'm like, Knowing Lord of the Rings and knowing how they do, how they like to do things here, I'm sure so much of this was practical effects. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Something I want to ask with Hallbrand, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Hallbrand. Yeah. Do you think they purposely cast someone who looks like looks exactly Viggo Mortensen's like little brother? I I don't know. Um, I I think made... it had to make an impression in the audition room. I, I've made like a million like tweets and TikToks uh, thirsting over Halbrand at this point. Um, and also like that, that's like what I became known for on TikTok was like thirsting after like Aragorn. <laughs> um, you have a type. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so obvious to me that I have a type. Um, but it... It just had to be like because in the previous episode when they do that reveal shot where he's in his armor and he's like going with them, he looks so much like Aragorn. It's, it's really crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um. Meanwhile, uh, Adar has he's like run. He's running away with the key, and Galadriel and Halbrand go after him. I appreciate that they tripped the horse instead of stabbing him because it looked like he's just gonna like javelin the horse but he tripped him it is funny after the trip the camera is like we know what you're thinking we're gonna link we're gonna linger on the horse until it puts both its hooves up in front then all four stand and then it runs off and then they're like now we'll cut back to the action yeah it's like he's okay Mm -hmm. he's safe just like really great quality uh, like oh my god I love this scene um, and there's a scene afterwards with Galad that's kind of like paralleling this too with Galadriel and Adar but um, Halbrand goes over and is like do you remember me no <laughs> just such that you know Thanos vibes of yeah. I don't even know who you are which is I think the f- maybe the first thing to do it was Mad Men the main character Don Draper's in an elevator and I forget the other character but another character walks in and he's like 
you know, I I think da 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 of you, and then uh, Don Draper takes a minute and like blinks at him and furrows his brow, and he goes, "I don't even think about you," and it's like that's very good. Yeah, it's stone cold. Yeah. Um. So Galadriel prevents Halbrand from killing Adar. They capture him. Um, meanwhile, everyone in the village is celebrating, and it's like we still have. You know, fifteen more minutes left. Something's not there's right. Still t- there's still two more episodes in the season after this one. I don't trust. I, you know, bad vibes. It'd be funny <laughs> if it was just two hours and fifteen minutes of like planning a parade, like, <laughs> it's cho- like choreographing no, actually, dances and yeah, yeah. Actually, everything is good. Everyone's just going to be happy for the Speech next writing. Two yeah, yeah. And Galadriel is talking with Adar. We learned this is one of the questions everyone's been wondering who Adar is. And there's still some mystery to it. But we find out that Adar is one of the elves that Morgoth kidnapped and corrupted to make orcs. And so that's how, for those that don't know, that's how orcs came to be is in the beginning, some of the elves left Middle Earth to go over to where the the gods were, the Valar. Mm -hmm. And some of them stayed behind. A lot of those elves were captured by Morgoth, the evil guy. Um, anytime I hear that name, I truly cannot help but think of like a Hot Topic promo ad or something. Like hashtag Morgoth. <laughs> like I just cannot. Morgoth. Yeah, I cannot got disassociate <laughs> that. That Anytime I hear it, truly my brain goes there. Oh my God, Hot Topic needs to hire you for like marketing and PR. Because they did, Hot Topic actually did just release a new like Lord of the Rings inspired line because of uh, Rings of Power. Hot topic. Get on it. Yeah. So um, he captured a lot of the elves and, you know, tortured them and corrupted them. And over time, they became what we see as orcs. Um, And so that's who Adar is. He's one of these elves that was captured by Morgoth and corrupted. Still a lot of questions. I'm like, okay, well then... Why didn't you turn into an orc? Like, what was special about you that you stopped turning into an orc? He got, he's got some funky, like, dark veins in his face or something, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't look... Yeah, he still doesn't look right, but he's also still not an orc yet. So, yeah. um, and this... Yeah, this is where, like, we learn more about... Um, it, it, it draws in a lot of, like, ethical questions here because Galadriel's like, I'm going to kill every last one of you and leave you alive. And it's also a lot of people were saying uh, on Twitter and everything like, well, it's not like they asked to get captured by Morgoth. Like this is someone who is a prisoner and was like corrupted against his will. So there's a very funny, there's a very funny, like instantaneous, like pendulous swing from Gladriel, where she's like, I'll kill them all and leave you alive. And then he says something and she goes, you'll die first. And it's like, well, <laughs> like for, for how stone faced she is and how calm and yeah. even, not calm, but like even keel she seems to be. It was like a real just pendulous swing. I also feel like this is maybe, if not my favorite, one of my favorite moments in terms of like when he gives his he he, he gives his response and he's like, we have hearts, too. We deserve a home, mm. too. I was I really appreciate it's it's. Um, the, uh, in the Michael Keaton Batman, which I think it was like 91 or something, 92, um, Jack Nicholson plays the Joker. And this is, I guess, also uh, when Heath Ledger played the Joker, he said the same thing in an interview. But it's basically like you have to play the bad guy as if he's the good guy. Like there's no yeah. way as an actor to do a good job as a villain if you play it as a villain. 
So it's like in my head, I'm right. In, it, when Heath Ledger played Joker, he's like, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm the the savior of the city, and Batman's the the villain. So I love yeah. that they gave this moment of like, we have hearts too. We deserve a home too. To be like, oh yeah, they are living creatures, and they, you know, <laughs> the the world is big enough for hopefully everyone. But it does make you, even though you still hate him and you recognize him as evil, there is a pause of like, oh shit, that's you know, yeah. especially in in today's climate of like. The, the political upheaval of just like vilifying everyone who doesn't stand with you and then being like, I guess they're also, they deserve happiness. But <laughs> sometimes it's, yeah. it's hard to th- see through the fog of like frustration and anger. Well, and it's just, it's just really interesting because he, so he says very confusingly, he says that after Morgoth's defeat, you know, things are happening. And he, he says, I killed Sauron. And Galadriel's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that, like, you're the leader here or you're the one leader. I don't, you know, so that's kind of confusing. And he explains that Sauron thought he was bringing, he was, like, restoring Middle-earth and was bringing everyone together and restoring balance. And that's ultimately, like, it's, it's exactly what you said, that, you know, they think they are doing the right thing and... And that's also what our heroes think that they're doing. They think that they're restoring Middle Earth. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the ways that people are going about it are yeah. maybe a bit different. What I I can't remember. Is Sauron a wizard or is he? Do we know what he is? So he is technically, I hate that I know all of this yes, now. Yes, please so let it me makes know. Me, so um, the, the Valar are the gods, right? Yeah. Morgoth also known as Melkor. That's another one of his main names. He's like Lucifer. He's like a fallen god who, you know, turned evil. And beneath the Valar are Maiar, which are, I think they're like their servants, so to speak. So they're like- Is like like a Balrog a Malar? Or is that even lesser? Okay. I can't speak to the Balrogs because I don't remember (laughs) exactly. And so I don't want to say anything wrong. Um, But the Maiar- are they're like servants there if the, if we're going with like the valar are the gods the maiar are kind of like demigods gotcha and sauron is a maiar that morgoth like got over to his side and like corrupted gotcha, um, gotcha. and i believe uh, i believe sauron was a maiar uh he was like a spirit of like fire or something um, and so he is a Maiar that turned into Morgoth's like right hand man. Gotcha. I, I asked. Yeah. Thank you. I asked because I know like Gandalf when he dies, it's like Gandalf's dead. And like, you know, you could easily say he was killed by whatever. But then he is reborn anew, more powerful. So it's that thing of like, is that the same with Sauron? Where it's like, when he dies, he's just kind of reborn even more powerful? He might be. Yeah, and I don't then, know. Yeah. And then that, would that explain the comet to the earth with the the mysterious man? Yeah. I, yeah, we have, I have no idea. Um, yeah, the reason Gandalf comes back is because he dies and the Valar um, decide, hey, you, you're, we're not ready. Yeah. Your <laughs> you need room's to go not back. done. <laughs> Yeah, like you need to go back and finish this. <laughs> anytime I go, um, anytime I stay at a Marriott, it's the same thing. Where I check in at one, and they're like, "Come back at four. Your room's not ready." I will. Yeah. I will say that's my. I always joke that's like my least favorite moment in movie history is when, even though I love the tr- the original trilogy, when they find Gandalf and they're like mm-hmm. Gandalf, and he goes Gandalf. I do not know him. I am Gandalf the White, and it's like. 
come on, dude. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's like Adel. Yeah. It's like Adel. Adel? Who is Adel? I'm Adel Refai. It's like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. You know what I meant. Let's go ahead and jump to the end then, where amidst all the celebrations, Aaron Deere goes over and sees Theo, and he hands him the item that has been wrapped up that they have stolen back from Adar and says, you know, I think to help you separate yourself from this thing, this is what I was talking about earlier, where he says, I felt it's it's loss. I'm like, I'm connected to it somehow. I felt it's loss. And Aaron Deer says, you know, go give this to Numenor and they will throw it into the sea. And he unwraps it and it's a decoy, which like, we all should have seen coming and I'm sure a lot of people did but at the same time like just like when you're in the moment watching the episode for the first time you're kind of just like there's so much happening like Adar is almost killed by Halbrand and then and then Galadriel pulls him back and then the reverse of that happens later and then um Isildur and Elendil are saving each other and like all this stuff is happening and so when the decoys reveal, oh, this was another one that I was like mid-tweet being like, so are we really going to trust Theo to just hand this thing over? And I was mid-tweet and then I, you know, saw and I was like, oh, dang, it's yeah. a decoy. It's like a hatchet or something. Yeah. And so this is where the rewatch was really helpful for me because before the new, like right as Numenor shows up, Adar says to the like main villager guy, says, Waldreg, I have a task for you. And then we immediately cut to like them, you know, the horses, you know, storming on. And then when we see that the decoy has been revealed, we cut to Waldreg and he is back at the tower and he is unwrapping and he is putting the blade on top of the rest of the sword. I'm kind of like, why didn't you guys like destroy that little shrine thing as soon as you found it? Like, yeah. why would you... Not destroy it somehow. I do want to say when they when they uh, who who's the main elf who fights the Arondir. Um, Arondir, thank you so much. I'm terrible with names in this show. When there's one of my favorite moments is Arondir at some point before the big battle uh, after the tower, but before the village battle, Arondir is uh, banging it with a hammer, and then <laughs> someone comes up and he's like, uh, he he literally says. This is beyond our skill to destroy. And I'm like, beyond your skill to destroy? You were, just... you were hitting it with a hammer. <laughs> with a hammer. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, did we try everything yet? <laughs> it's like knocking on a door and being like, can't be broken. It's like, well, you tried your your hand. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, knocking on a door and being like, well, I guess we can't get in. It's like, do, have we tried picking a lock? Yeah. Have we tried opening it? Is it even locked to begin with? Like, but, let's try to but hit, problem solve Hitting this a something more. with a hammer and then saying, this is beyond our skill is like, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, like, I, to be fair, I kind of assumed that maybe this was the tail end of him. Maybe he had been trying a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And this was the last resort, but yeah, totally. Tied, tied it between two horses and then put them in opposite directions, maybe. <laughs> and then the horses break in half instead. <laughs> oh my God. That's terrible. Get that image out of my head now. Um, Yeah, so it releases like some, it like breaks some dams, I guess, of this river that runs through the entire lands. And this is where we learn why. So the orcs and everything had been tunneling First, to attack attack all the villages and like kidnap these these people, but the 
ultimate goal was that these tunnels all run underground throughout this entire land. And this this is where I was like, oh, I would love to see the practical effects of like filming on set where you see all of these um, bursts of water like exploding, the pressure building up and exploding out of the land in the village. And everyone's like, what's happening? <laughs> then it diverts into this mountain where underneath is a bunch of lava sitting dormant and it ignites it and we see the most spectacular explosion that I was like, did they actually film a real volcano exploding? <laughs> I think there was one in Iceland recently, so it could have been. Could have been. Oh my God, you're so right. Because I remember when that was happening, everyone on Twitter was like, um, have we checked? Has someone <laughs> thrown a ring into that recently? Like everyone's making a bunch of Mount Doom jokes, you know, like somewhere in, you know, nearby, there's some hobbits walking towards that mountain. You just reminded me of another missed opportunity. Mountain Doom? Come on. Mountain Doom Code Red, Mountain Doom Baja Blast. Uh, Why are all these brands dropping the ball? Let's go back in time to that would have been that would have been perfect for 2000s marketing too. All these like, gamers it, drinking Mountain Doom? Mountain Yeah, Mountain Doom. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Um yeah, so Mount Doom explodes and we see, you know, wh like what I imagine like Pompeii was like. Yeah. Um, just mass destruction, ash. It is funny everything. the the initial explosion and surely there's more. It's going to be a continuous like firework, but the initial explosion shows like eight larger chunks of like flaming chunks off in different yeah. directions and diagonals, and then they showed a village and the village gets hit with like 50 chunks. So it is funny of like this poor village got for whatever reason decimated yeah, for whatever yeah. reason the volcano was aiming like any anywhere it exploded outward seemed to aim straight for that village. Well, and that's what's so that's what's left a lot up to like theorizing and predictions and interpretations and stuff is that we don't necessarily know like geographically where they are compared to what we know Middle Earth to be later on. Like uh, some people have mapped out a few things based on what we saw from the Harfoot's migration path. Some people have been like, oh, well, I compared it to this river and I think they're over here. So we don't technically know like how close or where they were. But like now we know that like we are watching Mordor be created in this moment. Yeah, that's very cool. Very powerful moment. And they do, I mean, they're not precious with the villagers in terms of like uh, the Southlanders. Like some of them eat nah, it. No, they're dead. Some of them eat it in a, in a bad way. And there's even a cool shot of like people say take cover or something and they show like a stone bridge or something. And I think maybe Theo's next to it or something. I was like, oh, maybe that stone bridge would be. It's like standing in the doorway during an earthquake. And immediately yeah. that bridge just gets, that gets destroyed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe not. So it, it was nice to be kept on my toes a little bit. Yeah. Um, and this whole time, Galadriel is just, she just turns around and stares and just stands full force into this plume of of smoke and volcanic ruin. Um, and what's so what I love so much. So this image right here of her standing with her sword and like looking in horror at this thing. This is like the top. This was like one of the first images we saw from 
the the show be released there was like a it was a vanity fair article released in like february i think and this was i think the image right at the top was this picture of galadriel in her armor with her, her sword and we've been looking at this for months and just who knew that this is what was happening in that picture and even the pre- the previews with her covered in ash look incredible like the it yeah. just looks stunning so i'm very excited to see the next episode yeah, um, just it, it's it's just so uh, I just yeah, just can't wait to see what happens in the next episode, because it's like, how do any of these people survive? We obviously like we know Galadriel. Sur- for the people that we know survive this are Galadriel, Isildur and Elendil, because they all make it to exist later on in the lore. I think that's it. Yeah. Aside from I'm just like, but how do those three even make it? How do there is yeah. no way. So I just incredible again like i mean like i said i i was just stunned and i just sat there like that was insane yeah very very satisfying very yeah leaves you speechless uh as the Mm -hmm. credits roll yeah so um yeah that's i mean there was still like a, a few other like minor moments happening in the episodes like between characters but that was just like again just start to finish i thought the the quality and the like attention to detail that they were putting into these battles um which i like i just thought they were all really well constructed because it can be hard it can be hard to make battle sequences and fights and like destruction interesting to watch yeah especially if you're doing it for over an hour so i think they did it so well yeah agreed did you have a particular favorite moment from this episode I think my legit favorite moment is maybe Adar talking about we have hearts, we deserve homes was just a really cool, powerful moment. I think my funny favorite moment was there's a moment when when everyone's like uh, when what's her name? Bronwyn gets shot and everyone's Mm -hmm. going into the tavern. There's a moment where we see like a man and a woman running uh, towards the tavern and a guy behind them gets shot with an arrow. So the guy who's with the woman sees this guy behind him get shot with an arrow. He turns around and is like, oh, this guy got shot with an arrow. Let me help him up. So he picks up the guy. The woman picks up the other arm. And the two of them, like, march this guy towards the tavern to help him after he's been shot with an arrow. And then almost immediately, the guy who helped, who was unscathed, gets shot with an arrow and falls (laughs) to the ground. And the guy he just helped turns around, looks at him, and keeps going forward. And I'm like... That's the funniest. I can't believe you noticed that. That's hilarious. That, the, that guy just helped you. That's cold. That's ice cold. He just helped you. Then he gets hit and you're like, that. Like, what are we doing? We're just going to keep getting struck. So I was yeah. like, that was so. That's a moment where I'm like, that feels real in a good way in terms of mm-hmm. like, I appreciate that, that that's the consequence of helping someone is like, absolutely. Shot. Like, no man left behind. And then like, <laughs> Twang, it's like oh shit like now i'm also hurt i'm dead so I, I i actually legit appreciated it but the way it played out was very funny mm-hmm. my favorite moment first like just a special shout out that we finally got a kiss between bronwyn and erondir because they had been playing up so much of their like romantic tension and i'm just gl- i'm like Finally, they kissed. Yeah. That's great. I dig their story. I like their story. Yeah, well. and it was also so it was such a Tolkien moment because he was talking about trees and like growing things after this battle, and that's just so quintessentially Tolkien. But my favorite moment, of course, everyone is the what? What are we call? What are we calling this? Let me pull up Twitter. Haladriel, which is Galadriel and Halbrand. Um, after they have 
you know, had this conversation with Adar. Um, and they're sitting in the woods together on this log. And they're both like, th- you know, thanks for pulling me back from that point of no return of, of revenge. And Halbrand says, I wish I could take that feeling of fighting alongside you and bind it to my very being. And then Galadriel says, I feel that too. And they are like about to kiss. You know it's coming. And then someone comes in and says, Halbrand, Muriel requests requests your presence. And I'm like, you ruined everything. (laughs) Like random off off screen (laughs) guard, you ruined everything. Everything. I'm so pissed. What's it? It's it's another last second, but not save. It's a last second. Uh, I don't what what the opposite. Uh, it's a block. It's we a can block. Say it. Yeah, last second <laughs> block. Oh, but like I I love. I mean, I I love that scene. Oh shoot! I broke my rule last week. I said when I choose my favorite moment, I have to choose a non Halbrand moment. <laughs> so I'll also give a special shout out to the scene between Ellen Dill and Isildur after the battle where they're with the horse and they're talking about um like being you know soldiers and warriors and stuff and um i think that was a great moment for them because we had seen a lot of strife between them as father and son and a lot of tension and it seems like they're you know re- reconnecting um yeah and yeah i also i also like the moment with uh isildur's friend where he's like it's like you get a taste of battle. It's like, yeah, let me go fight in the, you know, let me go across on adventure and let me suit up and I want to, I want to fight and get a sword. And then after the battle, it's like, uh, I think I'm good. Like I, I've had enough that action was, for enough for a lifetime. That was honestly a really, it was a really sad moment because he said, like, it is kind of played off jokingly at first where he says like, huh, seen enough battle already for one lifetime. And you expect them, you know, because they're friends and we've seen them joking around so much. You expect them all to play it off. But he's he says, like, yeah, no, I'm deeply traumatized. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's it's truly what happens in America where it's like we romanticize like defend, you know, being a part of the army or like defending your Mm. country or the honor and the bravery. It's like we romanticize that and we glorify it. And then it's like once you're there and you're being shot at and you come home, if you are lucky enough, it's it's like this was awful. I'm ruined for life. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, Adol, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having for me. For this, this whopper of an episode. Um, I'm really interested next week to see the like other characters' perspectives that we didn't see in this episode of seeing, you know, the elves and the dwarves. Do they? I'm sure that this explosion was so big that they'll see it. Seeing, you know, what are the Harfoots doing at this point? So I think the Harfoots are going to be having a pleasant little picnic on top of a mountain, and all of a sudden, no, <laughs> someone eats something no, and they're like, "That's terrible." Someone eats something and they're like, "Oh, this isn't sitting right in my tummy." And there's like a rumbling, and they're like, "Is that you?" And then they just explode outward. No, no, I'm putting that down immediately. Don't touch my harfoots. <laughs> um, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Adorify, A-D-A-L-R-I-F-A-I. Um, I also do some podcasts. You can check out Hello from the Magic Tavern. It's an improvised fantasy podcast. If you enjoy Lord of the Rings, you might enjoy us. And... Um, uh, hey Riddle Riddle which is me and two friends trying to solve riddles and puzzles and lateral thinking problems and we do improv along the way yeah um, listeners already know that Hey Riddle Riddle is one of my favorite podcasts ever oh hell yeah there was some recent episode where one of you guys were saying that one of your partners said you still say this you still describe it as a riddle podcast and that just got me really good because yep. I, I try to convey to my friends who haven't heard it before I'm like 
it's a riddle podcast, but also like it's just really funny. So <laughs> riddle podcast and name only. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover art is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod. You can follow the podcast on social media at TolkienAboutPod, and you can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at MCWhatsUp, and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can join Discord for $3 a month, where we are engaging in discourse, which is, of course, why... Discord is named that. Anyway, we are engaging in a lot of conversations about Rings of Power. So join in on the fun. Or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Guy. Guy, thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. I appreciate that you care enough to be able to share your support for something. As always, if you like what you're listening to, please make sure to rate and review. Those ratings and reviews will help me stand out among other podcasts so that people know, hey, this is a cool podcast to listen to since I've been watching Rings of Power and I want to geek out on it with other people. And one more thing before we go, next week's episode covering Rings of Power episode 7 will be released on Wednesday, October 12th instead of the usual Tuesday release. This weekend I'm in my best friend's wedding and I don't want to be distracted with finding a time to record and edit in the midst of celebrating my friend. So episode on Wednesday and then the week after that we will return to our normal Tuesday release for the finale. Oh my god, I can't believe we're almost at the finale already. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Um, hot topic if you're listening. Hashtag more goth. Mountain Dew if you're listening. Mountain Doom code code red, because the red of the the lava and the magma and the ash and so any major brands get at me and again if any like you were saying if any actors from the series even if if you're an extra if you're behind the scenes give a give an email yeah give a dm especially hot topic or mountain dew (laughs) (laughs) and that's what i'm talking about Mm